Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. So before we do anything, let's go ahead and pray. Um, Lord God, thank you once again for the day. I thank you for your grace and your mercy. ask that you open up our hearts and our minds to your word on today. Uh, Help us to understand. What is that you're trying to teach us? Help us to apply it in our own lives, God. In Jesus' name I pray, thank God, and amen. All right. So, um, we talked about last week a doctrine of Jesus Christ, right? Um, now we're going to be looking at the Holy Spirit. So, before we do that, of course, um, we have to review, right? So, um, once again, we're looking at the ten, 10 of the doctrines of the Bible. So, 10 doctrines specifically about the Bible. The first one being the Bible, um, then God, Christ, Holy Spirit, Angels, man, sin, salvation, the church, and future things. Okay. Um, going back to when we talked about Bible. Okay. So, uh, for each thing, as always, Anders has four main points that he addresses. So these four, in this case, he calls them major subdivisions, but um, the four points for the doctrine of the Bible <clears throat> are revelation, inspiration, illumination, and interpretation. Okay. Uh, for the doctrine of God, we had existence. Attributes, sovereignty, and the Trinity. And uh, last week, we talked about the doctrine of Christ. Okay, so the four main points there were deity, humanity, resurrection. And return. Right? So now we are going to dive into this uh, doctrine of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> okay? Uh, usually, I think for probably every chapter, uh, Andrews has like an analogy um, that he gives. So go over that today because I I just realized I skipped over it. (laughs) Oh, we'll read it together today. Okay. 
it starts off talking about uh, the IRS as a conscience fund. A conscious fund gets anonymous contributions from people uh, who cheated the government out of money in the past. Um, they don't want to make up for it, but don't want to risk, or they want to make up for it, but don't want to risk uh, criminal prosecution. So they donate, right? They basically give the money that they were supposed to give, right? Um, so one of the one of these, somebody, you know, sent a note uh, with a check to the conscience fund, and it says, I've not been able to sleep ever since I cheated you out of some money, but here's a check for $500. If I still can't sleep, I'll send you the rest. Oh, let's let that sit in, right? Um, I guess in a way it's like, well, at least he sent it, but... You know, a, another example, salesman um, calls a successful contractor. I had a bid for materials for a large job. Um, and so he was invited to the contractor's office. They chatted for a while, and then the secretary comes in. Okay. Uh, so as he's sitting there, you know, in the office, by himself, his secretary, you know, called him over somewhere else. Uh, that's when he notices from the desk that there's a bid from another competitor. Um, all the numbers are written clearly, right? And so the total amount was hidden, but um, it was covered up by a small juice can. So already, we're kind of seeing a the theme here, right, about doing the right thing. Um, for those who don't know, when you have um, contractors, like you're doing a, you're getting a bid for a certain project, and you're having contractors come in, um, you don't, you're not supposed to uh, let the other contractors know what somebody else bid, right? Because that's what keeps it competitive. But if I, you know, kind of give somebody the inside track, like, yeah, well, you know, so-and-so bid this. So if you outbid them or you go under this, then you'll definitely get the job. That's wrong. Okay? You're not supposed to do that. So here he is. He's in this man's office. Uh, the numbers are clearly available to him, right? Like, all he has to do is just pick this can up, which is what he did. So out of curiosity, tells me he picks up the horseshoe scan. When he does, Thousands of BBs, the BB pellets, come pouring out of the bottom of the can, which have been cut, fluttered over the surface of the desk. So basically, it's going everywhere. It's all over the desk. It's all over the floor. Like, there's all of these little BB pellets everywhere. Uh, and without saying another word, he just turns, walks out of the office, and he never comes back. So... He knew he had been had. Like, you know, in a way, it's like you kind of think, okay, clearly this is a test, right? Because he just happens to leave the room, paper sitting right there, and with the BB, you know, but we don't know it has BBs in it, right? The can, all he has to do is just pick the can up to see what the bid was. Right? He ended up, what did I say? He played himself. <laughs> um, 
Sanders goes on to say, we laugh at the first story and cringe at the second because we see ourselves in both of them. We all have shortcomings and weakness. Uh, we all want to be more than what we are, but we need help. Okay? So hold on to that, right? We need help. We need help. Uh, sometimes we need information. Sometimes we need assistance. Sometimes we need to be challenged or confronted to change. Uh, this is a primary role of the Holy Spirit. And it kind of goes back to Scripture as well, which I'm sure he'll probably um, refer us back to that in here in this lesson. But the Holy Spirit is our helper. God knows that you can't do it on your own, right? Because we have shortcomings, because we are imperfect, because we make mistakes, because we do not know everything, right? Only God is, uh, what was that word? Omnipotent, or I'm sorry, omniscient. He's all-knowing. Yeah, omnipotent, all-powerful, omniscient, all-knowing, all-knowing. So only God knows what's going to happen before it happens. He knows our thoughts. Um, he knows everything. He has all knowledge, all wisdom. We do not. Our wisdom, our knowledge is very limited. Okay? So, yeah, he, he gives us, he gave us the Holy Spirit to be our helper, right? Um, going back to those two stories, the man, I mean, yeah, it was like $500, right? He probably took more than that because he definitely said, well, if I still can't sleep, I'll send you the rest of the money I owe. Um, so he knew he did something wrong, but if he at least had enough presence of mind, he was convicted enough to at least send him a check for 500. You know what? I can't sleep. Let me just go ahead and write him a check for 500. And who knows? Maybe later on he decided he was still being convicted and he just went and gave him the full amount. We never know. <laughs> right? All we know is he at least did right thing in that moment and gave them, you know, a portion of the money he stole. Whereas in the second one, he could have had some integrity, right? The salesman could have had integrity. He could have, you know, waited for the man, could have had, don't touch anything. No, I'm not even supposed to know how much somebody else bid. I'm just going to leave it alone. <laughs> right? But because of that curiosity, right? Because of like, well, how much they bid? Okay, you know, I'm going to see if I can come up. He chose not to have integrity, and he cheated, or he tried to cheat, and he got caught. <laughs> so, um, leaning on the, the Holy Spirit, which, again, we'll probably get a little bit deeper into this, but, yeah, the, the Holy Spirit is our, our, our helper. It's what keeps us in line, or he keeps us in line, rather, not it. Holy Spirit is a he, not a it. Um, and it helps us to grow, right, which is what also Andrew says. Holy Spirit, you know, is our helper, right, um, helps us to become Christians and then grow as Christians, transforms us from what we like, what we were like in the past to what we should be like in the future. He is our friend, 
because he knows all about us and loves us anyway. He commits himself to help us change, to be the sort of man or woman we long to be deep down in our soul. I created you with a purpose to be more than, you know, the things that you settled for in the past or maybe that you're still settling for now. He has put greatness in you because he himself is greatness. Is all in you, right? We are God's tabernacle, and he dwells in us. So you can't say, you can't talk down on yourself or, you know, make an excuse for, well, you know, I just, I don't think I can. Like, there's nothing too far for God. He dwells in you. He is the reason why you have the ability to do the things that you do now. <laughs> um. And it's a it's a process, right? Transformation. Um, God sanctify us, uh, set us apart for Himself. That's a process. Am I anything like the person I was before I came to Christ? No, thank God for that. But I know that I still have a long way to go. He's constantly, you know, showing me issues or challenges or things that I need to address. Why? Because there's always room for improvement. If there wasn't, I would blatantly be saying that I'm perfect, and that would be a lie. No, I don't think I have anything to work on, so you perfect. Well, no, then you got something you need to work on. <laughs> so, Holy Spirit is very, very important. Okay. So, we went over our review, right? We went over our three or other three doctrines we learned. Now we're going to get into doctrine of the Holy Spirit. So again, our four main points here. So the first one is personality. This is the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. Okay, Personality. Second is deity. So we got deity again. Salvation. And finally, gifts. One more time. Personality. Deity. Salvation. And then gifts. Gifts. G-I-F-T-S. Gifts. Okay. So, um... And as with the other ones, he always gives a definition for each of these subdivisions. So, personality. Our definition is the Holy Spirit is a personal being, not an impersonal force. The Holy Spirit is a personal being, not an impersonal force. Again, the Holy Spirit is a personal being, not an impersonal force. Okay? So, the Holy Spirit is sometimes perceived as the religious equivalent of school spirit. Right? Uh, Sometimes people get their feelings mixed up with the, the Holy Spirit. Well, I feel like, well, I think... 
You know, I just, I just, I don't know. In, in my gut, no, it's, it's, it's more than a feeling. The Holy, the Holy Spirit, He is a being, whole person, right? Because we talked about that with God, three persons, one, three in one, three persons, one being. Okay. Holy Spirit is a person. Spirit. Okay, these spirits. Okay, so it's not something that's just like, oh, you know, man, when they started playing the piano, I, I was feeling that. Because let me tell you something. Okay, before COVID, uh, you know, we used to go and visit those churches. I would sit there. I have been to churches. Um, where they had beautiful singers, great choir, music was on point, and it felt nothing. Like the Holy Spirit was nowhere in that room. Everybody else dancing, dancing, shouting, like, ooh, the Spirit. I was caught up in the Spirit. I'm like, what Spirit were you caught up in? Because that's a concern. Uh, that, that sounds like that might that if it's not the Holy Spirit, it's either one or the other, right? So if it's not the Holy Spirit, that's a demonic spirit. Uh, you might want to be careful of that. Oh, they were so anointed. What anointing? What anointing? Right? We get confused. We think that you know because something makes us feel good. Or because someone is super talented, that equals anointing. It does not. It doesn't. Okay? And vice versa, I've been to churches where maybe the choir wasn't great or that person wasn't the best singer, but the minute they got on that mic, the minute their heart, it's like their heart is singing out to God. I have heard things in different languages. For those of y'all who know, I study languages. Um, In Japanese. And there's a room of people, there's a recording, uh, they did a video and they posted it on YouTube. And so they started singing. And again, they weren't the best singers, this particular group of people. They, they weren't, um, they couldn't sing that well. But you could hear, you could hear their love for God. You could hear these people just crying out to God as they were singing. And all of a sudden, it was like, even though I was watching it, you know, listening to this video, these people worshiping God, it just started just coming on me. So that that was not like a feeling, right? I know I'm saying the word feeling, but it wasn't a feeling. It was God's presence, like the Holy Spirit was there. And it was something just, even in that, it's like, woo, like to hear people, see people just, in true worship and true awe of God, giving out their hearts to him, like truly pouring out to him like that, it, it has to move you in some kind of way. If you're not moved by that, then I, I don't know. Check your line. There has to be something about God that excites you. Okay, but that's a conversation for another time, right? So, again, the Holy Spirit, he, he not... He is not, he's not, uh, you know, a, a feeling or your emotion, right? Yes, we 
feel his presence, but don't get the Holy Spirit confused with stuff that makes me feel good or makes me feel a certain type of way. Okay? So back to Andrews. Holy Spirit sometimes proceed as a religious equivalent of school spirits. This is not accurate. In the Bible, the Holy Spirit is treated as a person and given the attributes of personality, such as emotions, actions, intellect, and relationships. Okay? He is a person. <laughs> Not about how, how you feel. And you might have some days where it's like, man, kind of like I did, uh, it might have been yesterday or... What day was it? Either yesterday or this morning or something happened, and it was just like, ugh. Woke up feeling just kind of empty, like, ugh. I don't really feel like really reading my word today. I don't really feel like so much of anything. God had to remind me, like, uh, who are you listening to, your feelings or the spirit? Because... Spirit is going to move you to do things. It's going to remind you that this is not about how you feel. <laughs> this is about will or will not, not can or can't. Will you serve me even when you don't feel like doing it? Will you serve me even when you feel like, bleh, ugh, uh, I, just, I don't know, I, just, I feel like I'm having a bad day. Okay, even on your worst day, you still got to serve God. You still got to represent him. The Holy Spirit moves us and compels us to do those things. Okay, so uh, our scripture for this is Ephesians. Let me pull my Bible up. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. I don't remember. I don't think we, I think we only did chapter 1. When we did the Ephesians study, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. Okay, and so this is King James Version. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. We are sealed by the Holy Spirit. Um, I remember one of the examples they gave us when uh, I was in Missouri and I was working at the, the summer camp at the Bible study, right? So when I was at the Bible study, one of the examples they gave was talking about how we're in the hands of the Father and the Son. Um, let's see. Let me see if I can find that scripture. John... 15 to 14. Find it. You know, I'll be trying to make sure that I don't just be saying stuff. Make sure I got that scripture ready. (laughs) I don't want to like paraphrase a lot. I feel like when you paraphrase things, sometimes they get you into trouble. Find it right now. 
Let me write that down. So next time when I get on here, I can share with y'all. Or I can text it out right after this. This is what I'm going to do. Yeah, because 14, they were in the last supper. Oh, I can't find it. Find it right now. I'm going I'm to look for it later. But there is a scripture. Jesus is talking about how we're in the hands of the Father, and he has his hands on us too. So that's that double seal. And then we learned how the Holy Spirit, like what we just read, right? The Holy Spirit then seals us. So we have like this kind of triple protection, right? When you say things like, oh, or make it seem like people can lose their salvation, what you are saying is that this, that Satan has the power to break that seal, to break through the hands of the sun, to break through the hands of the fire, to, to get to you, and then he's picking and choosing who's going to make it, right? And so then it's like, you know, you make it by, you know, the, the grace of Satan, rather, rather than the grace of God. Ooh, what did I tell you about that phone? I promise you I was quiet all day. <laughs> oh, stop. Oh, I guess it must be true. Satan must be upset. Uh, <laughs> oh, we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. We're sealed by the Holy Spirit. Okay, kind of like, uh, for those who know, I set up the whole thing this morning, right about the shield. Shield of faith. Um, God never said that you weren't going to get attacked. Being a, a Christian, being a, a believer doesn't mean that we're not going to mess up. That's not what that means. That every day is just going to be, woo, we're just going to be lovely and we're never going to make a mistake again. Wrong. Okay. What that means is, okay, even though I stumble, even though I fail, this seal, okay, it still is what's going to keep me until the day of redemption, when he returns, because he is coming back. Okay, I am covered, covered by this Holy Spirit, okay? The, the Holy Spirit, he covered me. He got me. I still have to repent, right? I can't just be walking and saying and just do, 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 oh, I'm covered, I'm covered, he got it. No, no, you racking up a debt that you're not going to be able to pay. You can't afford that. You can't afford that bill. Okay, that's bad because Jesus said he already paid it all. So why would you go and add stuff? Like, let's not do that. Okay, because the wages of sin are death. You don't want that. You don't want that check. Okay. So, again, just going back a little bit. Holy Spirit is not equivalent to this, you know, enthusiastic feeling or just woo or something. Like I said, makes you feel good or whatever. He is a person. He got a whole personality. All of that. Okay. And we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. Okay. Now, uh, going to the next one. So that was personality. The next subdivision is deity. Deity. So, 
Our definition for that, the Holy Spirit is divine, the third person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is divine, the third person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is divine, the third person of the Trinity. Okay, so the first person is God, the second person is Christ, the third person is the Holy Spirit. Okay, so let's look at what Andrew says. Not only is the Holy Spirit a personal being, he is also divine. He possesses divine attributes. Remember we talked about divine attributes? Those are attributes or characteristics, traits that only God has. Again, I'm not omnipotent. I'm not all-powerful. I ain't got that kind of power. Not even if I was, you know, the queen of the world. (laughs) I still would not have the kind of authority that God has. Okay? Um, Not omnipresent. I can't be everywhere at one time. But God is with me. He's with you. He's with somebody overseas. In the state of the country, he's everywhere. Right, omniscient. I don't know everything. I don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. God does. Right? So, Holy Spirit also has those attributes. Why? Because God is three persons in one. Oh, whatever God got, the, the, the Son has, right? He says, the Father and I are one. Holy Spirit, same thing. So, uh, Holy Spirit is a personal being. He is also divine. He possesses divine attributes such as omnipresence and omnipotence. Right? Omnipresent everywhere, everywhere at one time. Omnipotence, all powerful. Okay? He performed miracles only God could do, such as the creation of the world and the miraculous conception of Jesus. So remember in the beginning, I believe it's in Genesis. Let's go there. It says the spirit hovered over the waters. Genesis chapter 1, right there. So Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, King James. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Verse 2, and the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Now, we already read in John, right, about Jesus being Logos, the Word. And he and the Father were face to face in the beginning. Then you have the Spirit of God was hovering, right, moved upon the face of the waters. That's the Trinity. They have been in existence since the beginning. Okay? So, uh, creation of the world, Macro's conception of Jesus. Okay, let's go there. Let's go to Matthew. Um, Anders doesn't really give us the scripture, but yeah, another one, but Matthew. Go down. Okay, let's see here. Let's start on 
Okay, here we go. So Matthew chapter 1, verse 20. But while, oh, this is King James Version again, sorry. But while he thought on these things, talking about Joseph, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Boom. Okay. Uh, in addition, going back to uh, your lesson, in addition, he is associated on an equal plane with the other members of the Trinity. Okay. So, uh, the scripture they give us is Second Corinthians. Doing a lot of reading today. <laughs> Second uh, Corinthians chapter 13, and then verse 14. So last chapter of Second Corinthians, last verse. Okay. And it reads, King James Version, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. All together. They're all together. <laughs> Cannot separate the Trinity. Can't. So, grace, Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Ghost. Be with you all. Amen. And this is uh, Paul. Okay. So, personality. Holy Spirit is a personal being and a personal force. Uh, our scripture there was Ephesians 4 and 30. Right? Holy Spirit is not relegated to your emotions and feelings. Whatever kind of gets you in the mood, that that's not that's not it. Holy Spirit is a he. He is a person. His attributes, right? We learn that divine being, deity. The Holy Spirit is divine. The third person of the Trinity. Actually, we just read was Second Corinthians thirteen and fourteen. Now, salvation. The next one, salvation. Our definition, the Holy Spirit is instrumental in personal salvation. The Holy Spirit is instrumental or key in personal salvation. The Holy Spirit is instrumental in personal salvation. Right? So, you know what Andrew says, the Holy Spirit plays the instrumental role in the personal salvation of individuals who become Christians. It is the Holy Spirit who enables us to see our sinfulness and realize that we should turn from sin, right? So kind of like we mentioned a little bit before. Okay? Um, 
the Holy Spirit convicts us, right? God convicts us. He compels us to change. He compels us. He convicts us to do better, right? To repent. Don't do that. Don't say that. Don't go there. Leave that person alone. You don't need to talk to them. You don't even know that you need to go in that direction. Just keep going your way. You know? When you get caught up in stuff, now you know that this is wrong. You know that this is not what God wants for you. You know that this is not pleasing to God. You know that you need to stop doing this. Right? That, that, that's what he does. Okay? Um, Holy Spirit, kind of, in a way, leads us to Christ. Holy Spirit was the one who led you to say, you know what, I need to, I gotta, I gotta change. I gotta do something different, right? So the Holy Spirit is is with us, right? And then once we accept Christ, He dwells in us. Okay. Um, he doesn't give us too many scriptures yet. <laughs> um, for this one, He tells us that you know those are things we're gonna learn later. Later on, now looking at this, let's say, yeah, we got quite a bit, quite a bit that we're going to be uh, covering. So, not too, too much, but hey, you know what? If you're not willing to dig, you're not going to grow. So, I'm kind of excited to see. So for now, um, salvation, the Holy Spirit's instrument of personal salvation helps us um, to grow, become believers. Um, and, and as also notes, the Holy Spirit helps us see that in order to become Christians, we must believe in Jesus, ask him to forgive us of our sins and give us eternal life, and commit our lives to living for him. So, uh, he does have a personal note for us. Um, the significance of the two baby cribs lies in an acrostic. So, uh, it's a special type of poem. There are five primary areas of involvement by the Holy Spirit in personal salvation. And that is conviction, regeneration, indwelling, baptism, and sealing. So if we take those first letters from each of those words, it spells out cribs. Okay. That's the acrostic, cribs. So cribs, conviction, regeneration, indwelling, Baptism and sealing. That's what the Holy Spirit does as far as our, uh, in relation to salvation. Okay. Salvation, the Holy Spirit is instrumental in our personal salvation. Uh, we're going to look at some scriptures later about this. And then we got our little, um, oh, I forget the word in English. 
acronym. There we go. So cribs, eviction, regeneration, indwelling, baptism, and sealing. This is in regards to our personal salvation. A process that happens. Okay. And now we have gifts. Okay. So uh, this is the last. Um, point, but we're not we're not done yet. Remember, we still got to go over salvation. So gifts, the Holy Spirit imparts spiritual abilities to Christians. The definition of gifts, the Holy Spirit imparts spiritual abilities to Christians. One more time. The Holy Spirit imparts spiritual abilities to Christians. Okay, uh, I think Pastor kind of mentioned that before. How you know we should desire uh, prophecy, right? Going on ministering to people. A lot of times we want somebody else's gift, and then we don't want to use the gifts that we got. <laughs> He already gave you. Okay, so uh, listening to what Andrew says, God wants to use each of us to minister to others. We kind of talked about that in the new, or no, I'm sorry, when we were going over the Old Testament, right, and we are going over the history. Talked about, I think it was in the Patriarch era, how this was already God's design from the beginning that, uh, we go out and change the world and we tell God about his goodness. That's what he designed us for. Okay? So there are no bench warmers on Team Jesus. Either you're working, you're serving the Lord, or you're being idle, and you're serving the devil. There is no in-between. People would say, oh, that's, you know, that's kind of harsh, don't you think? No, it's not the truth. There's no in-between. There's no gray area. There's no, oh, well, you know, I mean, I love him. I love the Lord, but, you know, I'm going to just wait. I'm going to wait till I'm ready. I try that. It don't, it don't work out. It don't work out so well. It doesn't. <laughs> so God wants to use all of us to minister to others, okay? Holy Spirit gives us a special spiritual gift to minister to others. It's something we enjoy doing and something at which we are effective, right? Uh, sometimes the enemy will get in my head and he will tell me things like, nobody wants to hear anything that you have to say. Nobody wants to read those funky little poems that you write. Why are you writing that book for? Nobody's going to read it. Nobody even cares. You're horrible. You're a horrible writer. You're horrible at this. You're terrible at that. And every time when I press through and I just be obedient to what the Spirit is leading me to do, right? He leads me to write those poems. He leads me to write that book. And somebody reads it. Or I read it or perform it and somebody hears it. And without fail, someone will come up to me because one person or a couple of them, it's usually just that one person will come up and be like, you have no idea how much 
I needed a phone number. I felt like you were speaking to me. Thank you. And it's just like, what? <laughs> so sometimes the enemy will try to persuade you that you should even have your gifts. Or, you know, not to even bother with it because you're horrible at it anyway. Why don't you let somebody else do it? You can't do that. You can't do anything right. Don't. Just don't. Sometimes you just need to tell Satan to shut up. Just keep it moving. Like, God gave you what he gave you for a reason. So if you have a passion or a, a desire, you know, that thing that you like, uh, well, I don't know. I think I'm going to just let it go. But it keeps popping up. Whether it's starting a business, a certain business, or a special project in your community, um, maybe it has something to do with cooking, and maybe you want to serve people, or whatever it is, that book that you need to write, <laughs> whatever it is, he gave it to you for a reason, a song that you're supposed to compose, whatever it is. Okay, being because I don't want to, I don't want us to hear that and be like, oh, something which we were affected by. Like, oh, well, I'm not that great. He didn't say be the greatest at. He said effective, which means that God does not care about your skill because He has all the skill. You are a tool. You are uh, a servant. You're the pen or the pencil. You are the carpenter. You say you are the the instrument that God is using and working through. So it's really God doing all the work. You just have to be obedient and willing and submissive to Him for it to work, for it to be effective. Because even if you're not the best singer, like we just talked about, you don't got to be the best singer. You just got to be obedient. And an anointing, a praise, all kinds of blessings, all kinds of things will rain out. It's God working through you. It's God doing it, not you. Okay? So, get that in my head. Okay? <laughs> However, since God is working through us with this gift, the results must always be attributed to him and not ourselves. We just said that. We just talked about that. It's not you. It's him. Okay. Uh, we must guard against two imbalances. So we must not become discouraged if our results are meager, right? The first time I wrote my book, my first book, or really the second book, I published it. First book that I self published. Um, or no, second, yeah, because my first book actually got stolen, y'all. So, uh, second book, you know, first one I published, self-published, and it sold seven copies. And I was like, oh, wow, like maybe, you know, I, you know, because I just had high hopes for this book, seven copies total. Um, finally went, wrote another book. It sold, like, Digitally, I think digital copies, I sold like 15. Physical copies, a bit more than that. I think at least close to 100 copies. But let me tell you something. For an author, that is abysmal. Okay, that's like a a box office movie 
and you know it's like the, supposed to be the biggest movie of the year, and they only rake in like you know maybe ten grand for that box office. That's a flop because you don't even have enough money to pay the rest of your staff. You're in the red at that point. Okay, so for it to be successful, a successful offer is selling at least, uh, you know, maybe upwards of 10,000 copies or way, actually more than that, at least 100,000 copies or more, right, for it to be like a decent, like, oh, okay, yeah, taking notice. (laughs) So if you sell a million copies or more, you're definitely a successful author. So to have that happen twice, it was just like devastating. Well, this is what I'm supposed to do. And all of a sudden, all those naysayers, all their voices start coming up in my ear. And it really, I struggle with that. Sometimes I still struggle with that now. Like, I'll go to write my novel, and all I think about, all the, fail, the failure, right, all the people who are like, you're wasting your time with that. That's just a hobby. But you're not going to be able to do anything with that. Where are you going to go with that? People don't even read like that anymore. Like I said, sometimes you just got to tell, you just got to speak to the enemy and just tell him to shut up and just keep moving and hold on to the promise that God said. So we must not become discouraged if our results are meager. That's the first thing. The second thing, we must not become inflated if our results are abundant. Uh, I remember sharing that in a Bible study, and it's, Funny because like I, I think we talked about that too last week. How sometimes people don't realize how they are actually kind of encouraging the very thing that God is convicting you for. And so I remember just kind of sharing that personal journey for me, where it's like God challenging me on my desperate need for affirmation from people or validation rather always needing to be validated, always wanting people to praise me, always wanting people to tell me how awesome I am, always wanting people to, uh, when I hear these poems or when I'm doing these poems, and they're like, man, your poem was great, blah, 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 and I'm just eating it up, eating it up, eating it up, eating it up. And I could have had like 10 people, 100 people come and tell me one by one, man, that, that poem was fantastic, but it's like it's not enough. It's never enough because when you're trying to feed your flesh, it's like trying to throw something to a black hole. If you are not content and satisfied with Christ alone, I don't care if nobody claps for you. And trust me, I had it, you know, one of them days too. I remember I got heckled. He's still up there? Yeah, that happened. <laughs> Somebody heckled me. Um, you know, talked down to me while I was on stage. And I do this poem, and I, you know, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. The Lord's like, keep going. <laughs> so, yeah, like I've had those, those discouraging moments where, like I said, those seven copies, and you're thinking, I'm just, I'm going to be this great author and seven copies. Less than, you know, 100 or so copies. And then on the other hand, where it's like you do this poem, and everybody's clapping and cheering, and you got to remember. That's not for you. This is not about you. You are not the center. You are not the focus. Christ is. And when these people are coming up to you and they're giving you all those compliments, you had better remember that. You better remember to stay humble 
it's okay to for people to compliment you. There's nothing wrong with that. But when you seek your validation out of how many compliments you got today, even when I had, you know, struggles with low self-esteem, I struggled with, you know, learning to find my worth in Christ. I didn't even have an idea of what that was. I just kept trying to find it in myself. I kept trying to find it in the eyes of men, longing for them to lust after me because I felt like that was the only time I was really beautiful. If nobody looked my way, that was a horrible day. Especially when I would dress up, I would purposely dress up, pull a makeup on, you know, do some of my hair, and nobody gave me a compliment. That was like, a hor- that was awful. That was a horrible day for me. I felt even uglier than I already felt when that would happen. But now that I have no more than Christ, I'm missing a tooth, y'all. It's gone. <laughs> I had to get my tooth pulled, uh, what was it, two years ago. Two years ago, yeah. Two years ago, or three years, two or three years ago. Um, had that happen, you know, and did my self esteem take a little bit of hit? Yeah, it did, but it was like, you know what, that's fine. They ain't got to think I'm cute. I'm sexy to me. I can still look in this mirror and be like, you know what, I'm the bad thing up in here. <laughs> I can still look in this mirror and tell myself, you're beautiful, you're lovely. And mean it. And I remember them days. Like I said, I couldn't do that before. Okay? So going back to this thing, right? Learning to be humble. To not let the things that people are telling you. Like, don't believe the hype. Don't get so full of yourself. That you start clinging on. That you are seeking man's approval that you were seeking man's praises rather than continuing to focus on hearing that well done. It's just like the same folks praising you. They'll talk about you. They'll they'll knock you off the pedestal that they built for you in the same breath. So my goal is not to please man. My goal is to please God. That should be my focus. That should be my aim. So even if the results are small, I still got to keep doing the work. Even if people are just, you know, everybody running over and oh, hyping me up, I better remember who it is doing the work. Like, it's not you. Because he will humble you. <laughs> okay. He will exalt you, but he will also bring you down right back to earth. <laughs> so, uh, remember that it is God who produces the results whether meager or abundant. Okay, when we are exercising these gifts, it's God doing the work, okay? Now, uh, Andrews gives us another scripture. So this time we're in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 and 11. So let's go to verse 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4. Uh, this is King James. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirits. Okay. There are diversities of gifts, so there are various gifts, but the same spirits. I don't know about your Bible. My Bible, that's a capital S. That's talking about the Holy Spirit. It's not just any spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. Okay. Then we go down to verse 11. But all these worketh that one and the self same spirit, 
dividing to every man severally as he will. Okay, now in the version that uh, Anders uses, again, I really wish he would have listed it, um, but in the book it reads, but one and the same spirit works all these things. This is verse 11. Distributing to each one individually just as he wills. Okay. So you got the gifts and talents that you have because that is what God wills for you to have. But like we, you know, I said earlier, right? Sometimes we get a little envious of other people's gifts. It's like, but instead of sitting there, you know, getting jealous or whatever, why don't you use what you got? Use what he gave you. Crazy how, you know, the enemy really be getting on us and, or just our flesh in general. And how we got all this, but you want that. It kind of goes all the way back to the garden, right? They had the whole garden of Eden, but they wanted that one tree that they could not have. Really, in a way, it's, it's kind of like that's just the, the nature of, of man. You know, you got all these gifts, you got all these talents, or that gift of that talent that he gave you that you really could be just growing in and, and flourishing, but you over here bitter and salty because you want the so and so gift. You want what they got. Like, you, use what he gave you. What's on that? Okay, you ain't got the ability to sing or dance, but he gave you the ability to stitch. Toe. You want the ability to stitch so well, you you can't do that, but he gave you the gift of intercession, right? You can pray for people. And it sounds crazy, like who who wouldn't want to pray for somebody? I've met people that literally they are it's something about when they pray. Now, yes, we all are supposed to pray, right? We all have that ability, but it's certain people when they pray, those who know know what I'm talking about, they start praying, and it is like, woo. The prayers just be anointed, and it's not in their words that they use. It's not in how they sound. It is literally the Spirit just moving through them, praying, whether it's a real simple prayer, or they just really start getting to talking to God, and it's like, oh, man, the, the Spirit didn't took over. <laughs> Spirit is in the room right now. Every time they pray. But you'll see them get annoyed because then people be calling on them to pray and they be like, oh, man, why do I always got to pray? Because you're the one with the gift, fool. Come do it to the Lord. Told you to. Stop being disobedient. Stop. You know, God gave you the ability to uh, to go play an instrument. You sit there fighting it. Why they always calling me up? Because that's your, what do you mean that's your gift? Interpretation. You understand word for word what somebody's saying, but you sitting there holding them out like, mm-hmm. why? Use what he gave you. Use what he gave you. And then when you use it, and people come up to you with this praying, Oh, you know, I enjoyed that prayer. That was a lovely prayer. Learn how to be like, Lord, God, and keep moving. <laughs> oh, my goodness. 
We just all need to learn how to be obedient, right? Yield to the Holy Spirit. Okay. So uh, now we're going to review real quick, like a brief review, and then uh, we're going to start going into the salvation thing that we mentioned before. Okay. So reviewing. All right. So the first one is personality. The Holy Spirit is an impersonal being, not an impersonal force. Our passage for that would be Ephesians, or I'm sorry, scripture for that would be Ephesians 4, verse 30. Next was deity. The Holy Spirit is divine, the third person of the Trinity. Our scripture for this was 2 Corinthians 13. Verse 14. Then next, <clears throat> next with salvation, the Holy Spirit is instrumental in personal salvation. That's what we're going to talk about a little bit later. And then we had gifts, what we just talked about, right? Use our gifts. Remember that it is God and not you. Okay. Uh, the Holy Spirit imparts spiritual abilities to Christians. And I know he gave us the two verses. Technically, you could read that, that chapter. Um, but our key verses for this were 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 and 11. Okay. So there we go. Now... Um, just one more time, one more time. So personality, Holy Spirit is an impersonal being, not an impersonal force. East Scripture, Ephesians 4 and 30. Deity, the Holy Spirit is divine, the third person of the Trinity. East Scripture is 2 Corinthians 13 and 14. Uh, salvation, the Holy Spirit is instrumental in personal salvation. We will talk about that in a moment. And then gifts, the Holy Spirit imparts spiritual abilities to Christians. Our key verse there is 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 and 11. Okay. Now, looking into, like we said, with salvation, because we're going to start really kind of digging a little more, right? That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be digging. So, we're going to be looking at that acronym, FRIBS, right? FRIBS, conviction, generation, dwelling, baptism, healing. And we're going to look at those one by one. So first thing is conviction. Our definition, revealing a need to change. That's what it means to be convicted, revealing a need to change. So God, remember, God convicts us, but Satan condemns us. We we talked about that too last week, touched on that. Okay. So conviction reveals a need to change. There's something that needs to change. There's something that God's like, hey, uh, I want you to draw close to me, but you have to let this go. Okay. 
And for somebody, you know, and, and it's not, we all have different struggles or different strongholds. So something that's simple for you, right, not everybody struggles with music like that. For me, for the first few, you know, years of my walk, I did. There's certain beats I couldn't even listen to because it would take me back to mentally to a place, you know, where spiritually it was just toxic. <laughs> and so I could only listen to, like, gospel and uh, Christian music. Like, I could not listen to anything outside of that. Now I can. Like, I'm in a place spiritually where I'm a little bit stronger now. But God had to really kind of, you know, reach me up out of there. And even now, like, I still can't, I can't only listen to, um, like, I like K-pop, but I can't only listen to K-pop songs. Like, at some point, I got to I gotta get some Jesus in that playlist somewhere. <laughs> like, I can't only listen to that every single day, you know, constantly because, okay, not everything they're talking about in there is Christian. I mean, there is like a few Christian, like, K-pop stuff, you know, or some Christian Korean songs, but, you know, I mean, that'd be just, that's just, like, for people who listen to what they call mainstream music. So you like Drake or Bruno Mars, right? But that's all you listen to. And it's like, uh, I, don't li- I don't really like gospel like that. I don't really like Christian hip-hop. I don't really do da 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 if you know that music is your struggle and the stuff that you're taking in, in those songs, the messages in those songs start to get in your spirit, in your thought pattern, it will come out in your actions because these are things that you were taking in, okay? So for me, that was like a major thing that God was convicting me on. It was like, hey, you need to, you need to get rid of these albums, you need to clear out this playlist that you got. That's got to go. Uh, you you know, it, it was with music. But for other people, they're not a struggle for them, right? Some people uh, struggle with um, pornography. That's not a struggle for me. So I even, I'm like, I don't even know what, like, I don't know what y'all get out of that, but okay, I mean, you want to watch that. Uh, I don't agree with it, <laughs> but I don't even know why that's a struggle because I, I don't know. Right, that's not something I struggle with, but that is a serious stronghold for some people. Right, so those are two different things. Like on the outside, man would say, "Well, I would definitely think that pornography is way bigger than music." You know, what's wrong with that? Again, okay, the Holy Spirit convicts us on what we individually need to change. So we can draw closer to the Lord because it's something that is hindering you in your walk. Stronghold for you doesn't always mean it's a stronghold for somebody else. Right. So again, conviction, revealing a need to change, uh, goes on to say, the Holy Spirit convinces a person of his or her need to change some thought, attitude, or action. This phenomenon is sometimes accompanied by an acute sense of guilt over wrongdoing. Okay? We have free will. So when you start uh, not feeling, I don't want to say, I want to mix up the words, right? When the Holy Spirit starts to convict you, 
you either ignore it, right, and you try to bury yourself in that thing even more, but guess what? You can't run from God. Holy Spirit with you, like, no, we don't talk about this. You know this is wrong. You know this is wrong. You know that this is not helping you. You know that this is actually drawing you away from God. So why do you keep doing this? Walk away. You don't have to stay here. You don't have to stay in this mentality. Well, this is the way I've always been. You don't have to stay that way. He's freed you. You're born again. You're a new creation now. You're a new person. You don't have to be the old person that you used to be. You don't have to continue the old habits that you used to have. We don't have to keep this mindset that you've had for however many years. We can learn a new way. I can teach you if you let me. I can help you with that if you let me. I can guide you to where you need to be if you let me. Because God is a gentleman. He's not going to make you do it. But he definitely will convict you to the Holy Spirit. <laughs> so you're either going to ignore it or you embrace that and you're like, you know what, this is wrong. God, please forgive me. I'm sorry. And you turn away. You actively move to change because it's not enough to say, okay, like it's one thing to recognize that you need to change some things and you recognize that you need to do wrong or that you're doing wrong. It's another thing entirely to recognize it and then take action to do something different. Right? So. Uh, scripture for that. Our key scripture is John. So let's go to uh, the book of John. John chapter 16. And then verse 8. John chapter 16. Verse 8. And this is from uh, my Bible, King James. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Okay. We're going to read up a little bit. That's how I feel like. So, let's go. So this is Jesus talking, okay? So, John, let's read verse 7 and 8. John 16, verse 7, King James reads, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he is come, this is verse 8, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Now, let's read a little more. Um, Verse 9, of sin, because they believed not on me. Verse 10, of righteousness, because I go to my Father and ye see me no more. And then verse 11, of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. The prince of this world is Satan. Okay. So, let's go back to the key verse. Okay, the Holy Spirit. Uh, again, King James, and when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Some of the Holy Spirit. All right. Uh, in the version that Anders has, and he, the Holy Spirit, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. 
That is why when you start to stray from things, you get that conviction. You also are led to do good by the Holy Spirit. The thing that's on your heart that you can't you can't even sleep properly because God is like, I need you to do this. I need you to do this assignment. I gotta do is say yes. Just answer him. Just say yes. It's not gonna hurt you. We already established. Okay, it's not you doing it anyway. You thinking, oh man, yeah. If you do it, it will fail. But if you are allowing God to use you, that's not gonna fail because God doesn't fail, right? So again, we had uh, that was all conviction. So, conviction relie- uh, revealing a need to change, right? The Holy Convicted, uh, Holy Spirit convinces us, right, convicts us to change, whether it be our thought, our attitude, or our actions. Okay? It's sometimes accompanied by guilt, sense of wrongdoing, like this is wrong, stop. Scripture for that was John 16 and 8. Now, next one, regeneration, imparting a new spirit and eternal life with God. Imparting a new spirit and eternal life with God. Okay? So, according to the Bible, Andrew, <laughs> According to the Bible, everyone lives forever, either with God in heaven or separated from him in hell. When a person becomes a Christian, the Holy Spirit imparts to him or her a new spirit, an eternal life with God in heaven. Let's go then. So again, regeneration, imparting a new spirit and eternal life with God. So we are either going to be with God in heaven or you're going to be burning uh, in eternal damnation, okay? When we become a Christian, Holy Spirit imparts or gives us a new spirit in eternal life of God in heaven. So we become heirs. I believe we talked about this uh, in the Ephesians Bible study. Right? When we, we become adopted by the Father, when we claim Christ as our Savior, we're now adopted into his family. We now, because we are heirs, right, with Christ, we're heirs to the kingdom, that also means that we have access, we have eternal life just sitting there waiting for us. We got a reservation with our name on it, Right? But my actions determine what kind of end ending I'm going to get to the story because of, again, free will. So do I, does that mean that I get to live recklessly? Like, oh, I'm going to heaven anyway. Mm, no. No. I'm still expected to live according to the calling and the standards that God has set before me. 
Because either I'm going to be like Esau and I'm going to throw away my inheritance for what I want on earth right now, or I'm going to learn how to endure and be steadfast so that when I see him on that day, he can say, well done. And I get my reward, right? I'm rewarded with my inheritance, which is eternal life. So uh, the passage that Anders gives us is Titus 3 and 9. I'm sorry, Titus 3 and 5. That's actually one of my favorite scriptures, Titus 3 and 9. That's not the verse that we're reading today. (laughs) So Titus chapter 3, verse 5. Titus chapter 3, verse 5, and uh, this is King James, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. And you know what? I'm going to just read 6 and 7 while we at it. Which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. Verse 7, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So let's read that all one more time. Starting in verse 5. Not by the way, and this is King James. Not by the works of righteousness, which we have done. So it's nothing that you could have done to get salvation. There's nothing that you can do to earn eternal life. You will never be able to earn that, ever. So not by the works of righteousness we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. It's because he gave his life, Jesus gave his life for us, that we hear, that we have the ability to come to God and have a relationship with him because sin cut us off. We didn't have access to nothing. Okay? So, according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. So, when you get saved, right, the whole thing of being a new creation, we're regenerated. We're renewed. We're a new creation. We're born again. Okay? Which he said on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. There's only one way. Jesus said that himself. There's only one way through the Father, and that's through Jesus Christ. Ain't no other way. Only one way. Seven, that being justified by his grace, We should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So because of his grace and his mercy, we have an opportunity to have a relationship with him. We are able to be joint heirs to have that, that reward, right? That's part of our heir. Our inheritance is eternal life. We have that now. But as we said before, uh, you know, as we talked about before, you have free will too. You have the the choice of rejecting that inheritance. You have the choice of rejecting 
being an opportunity to have a relationship with God. You don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. You don't even know if you're going to be here tomorrow. All you have is today. You hope that you see tomorrow, but all you really have is today. And it's hard to remember that sometimes because we take time for granted. We start to get comfortable, and it's just like, well, you know, this is a day. Oh, well, I messed up. I hope I'll get it right tomorrow, whatever. <laughs> and I don't want to put a lot of pressure on, on you to think like, oh, man, i got to be perfect every single day. You're not going to be perfect every single day. It's not about being perfect. You just own up. Like, you know what, I am so sorry. I clearly missed the mark today. Well, please forgive me. Please help me to do better. <laughs> help me to learn from these mistakes so I don't keep repeating them again. And then you actually move to not repeat them again, right? Because you can't just pray that or say that and then still keep doing it. Thing that you know you shouldn't be doing. <laughs> so, you know, we now have we have a new spirit. We're a new person in Christ Jesus, right? We talked about in Ephesians our position. We got a new position now, and we're positioned in Christ. The Holy Spirit. I mean, man, that's that's awesome that we get all these things. We get more than we deserve. Okay. Can't thank God for nothing else. At least give a thank him for that. <laughs> so, again, conviction, revealing a need to change. Uh, key figure or key scripture was John 16 and 8. Uh, regeneration, imparting a new spirit and eternal life with God. Uh, the scripture we just read, Titus 3 and 5. I mean, I read a little bit more than that, but Titus 3 and 5. Uh, then we have indwelling, living within a believer. Also talked about that, right? We mentioned that, how he lives in us, he dwells in us. So living within a believer. <clears throat> Excuse me. The Holy Spirit mysteriously takes up residence within a person when the person becomes a believer, encouraging and strengthening him or her to live a proper lifestyle. Okay. So the Holy Spirit was with me. God was with you all the, the whole time. He was with you before you, you got saved, right? Because, again, the Holy Spirit is the one who leads you to get saved in the first place. But once you claim Christ as your Savior, now he comes and he dwells in us. He takes up residence in us. So this is not somebody who's like, well, you know, I think I'm going to just, you know, stay here during the weekend and go about my business or treat this like a vacation home. He's dwelling in us. He's taking up residence. He plans to live there like, yep. Yeah, it's great. I think I'm going uh, to come in here. I'm going to put my furniture right here, and I'm going to get a new couch. And Oh, I'm so excited. It's a brand new home. He's taking over. He plans to stay with us. Okay. Holy Spirit encourages us and strengthens us, moves us, compels us to live a proper lifestyle. We've got to be talking about that. Right? So, 
Uh, let me see if I can find it. Cause I keep saying it, but let's see. Cause I just want to find that scripture. I, you know, I've been having a hard time trying to find scriptures. <laughs> But I don't know. I'm going to try to find it. I couldn't find that first one. I'm going to find this one. I think I might be mixing verses up. So I will also have to find that one later. Okay. Find it. <laughs> oh, I found it, y'all. I'm sorry, I yelled. I found it. So Philippians 2 and 13, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. King James Version. So it's not of your own. That's the Spirit in you. Moving you to do these things, okay? Uh, now, the key verse that, um, I'm sorry, that was Philippians 2 and 13. And then our key verse for this, for indwelling, is Romans uh, chapter 8. Romans 8, uh, verse 9. Let's go there. Okay, Romans 8, verse 9. And it reads, King James, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so, be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Okay? Now, uh, Anders, read the verse he used, says, uh, You are not in the flesh, but in the spirit if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Okay. And it kind of goes back to what we talked about in that Ephesians Bible study, right? We are all God's creation, but we are not all God's children. That's there carefully. We are all God's creation. God created all of us, but we are not all his children. You are not his child until you accept Christ in your life. When we accept Christ in our life, the Spirit comes and dwells in us, right? We're sealed by the Holy Spirit. We now become joint heirs. You can't be an heir if you're not, if you're not even, right? That's like, okay, you know, my mama leaves, you know, something to me. My sister, my brother, but then some random person like, yeah, you know, and that's mine too. You're not even our kid, though. But who are you? You're not one of her kids. You're not even, you know, young enough to even be. <laughs> Consider that child. You older than what my mom was. Like, no, that's not how that works. That's not how that works. So, yeah, when when we claim Christ, we become, like I said, a joy here. We become adopted by him. We become part of his family. Okay? He comes and he dwells in us. So if you ain't got the spirit in you, then no, you're not, you're not one of his. 
that. Okay. Paul's claiming, maybe, but, you know. Baptism, oh, I'm sorry, that was indwelling. So, indwelling, living within a believer. Okay. Holy Spirit come to live in us. That was, key scripture was Romans 8 and 9. Now, baptism, we're almost done, y'all, I promise. Baptism, uh, placing a believer spiritually in the body of Christ. How about that position, right? Okay, so baptism, placing a believer spiritually in the body of Christ. Baptism, placing a believer spiritually in the body of Christ. Okay, so uh, Anders tells us the body of Christ is a term given to the totality of all believers in him. We are the body of Christ. To baptize means to place into. That's that's what it means, uh, I think, in the Greek. Because it doesn't mean like to place into, but it's like to immerse. So we're not talking about a dunking, you know, a little a tight look. You know, you kind of dip in there, like you boof, you all up in that thing. Okay? Place into. Okay? Uh, technically, to be baptized into the body of Christ means to be a member of that spiritual organism. So when we get baptized, that makes it official. Like, okay, you accepted you accepted Christ, you're now, you know, the Spirit comes, He lives in us, we're saved. Right? We're now saved, right? But when we get baptized now it's like official, like the papers have been signed, right? The adoption papers are signed, like it's official. Okay. Um, however you do have people, right, that they get baptized or they walk up, they walk down the aisle. There was a song by a Christian rapper, and he would come to camp each summer. His, uh, his song was like, you just walked the aisle, that's all. You just walked the aisle. It was about his life, because that was all he did. He walked down the aisle. He didn't actually accept Christ. It was just him and his friend, they just walked down the aisle, just like, well, everybody else went down there. It wasn't until much later when he, you know, actually really did confess Christ for himself. <laughs> Right? Yep, they do it too. They get baptized, but that's about it, you know. So there's some things that have to happen, right? But just so we know, that that is what it means to be baptized, right? So we're becoming a member, a spiritual, right? Spiritually becoming a member of that organism, the body. Okay? We are the body of Christ. Get baptized now. It's official. Um, okay, for this one, we're going back to 1 Corinthians. Our key scripture here. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we're looking at verse 13. Right? Verse 13 reads, For by one spirit we are all baptized into one body. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. And I'm going to just read verse 14. 
for the body is not one member but many. I don't care what that person looks like. I don't care if they don't look like you. I don't care if they come from the other side of the tracks. Man, woman, boy, girl, whoever, young, old, don't matter. We are all one in the body of Christ. And there are many members. And we all got our different functions. We all got our different gifts and things that God has given us to do. Okay? Ain't no separating around here like now, you know, they, you know, the young clique and the the older saints clique. What is that? No. No. Ain't no cliques up here. Ain't ain't supposed to be no cliques anyway. Because you know how we do. Okay? So we are all one. Right? Finally, sealing. Okay? This is the last one. So sealing. Guaranteeing the believer's relationship to God. Sealing. Guaranteeing the believer's relationship to God. Guaranteeing the believer's relationship to God. The Holy Spirit becomes the guarantee of our spiritual inheritance, right? Because we just talked about that in indwelling. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you are not one of his children. You are not one of his. Therefore, you cannot be a joint heir. Therefore, if you are not a joint heir, you do not have access to the inheritance. Okay? So, the Holy Spirit becomes the guarantee of our spiritual inheritance. To be fully realized when we die. So, you know, again, like, we want to be with Christ, we want eternal life, but you you get that after you leave here, right? You still, you know, the, now the judgment thing, okay? Because, again, you know, we still have to live holy. We're still expected to live according to the standard that God has given us in his word, that he teaches us in his word, okay? We don't have an excuse, right? So, um, becomes our guarantee of our spiritual inheritance, which we get when we leave here, right? This means once a person has been regenerated, indwelt, and baptized into the body of Christ, his or her position is secure. We kind of also talked about that, right? How we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. We're in the hands of the Father and the Son. Okay? So, can you lose your salvation? No. But can you throw away your inheritance? Yes. Okay? Even when I fall away, I still have that position in him. It's just a matter of me repenting and coming back to him and lining back up and abiding in him where I'm supposed to be. That's what they mean. Like, you know, it's not where you sin and then it's all over. And I just, I I have no way of getting back to him anymore. And my position is just gone. 
because God has made it so that even when I fall, I still can reconnect back to him. I can still come back home. He doesn't abandon me and say, okay, I'm, I'm done with this one. You know, she, she tripping. She, I tried to give her a chance to be my child, but she tripping, so I'm going to just move on to the next one. No, he's patient. He sends that reminder through the Holy Spirit, I love you. Come back home, I love you. You don't have to do this, I love you. Okay, so my position is secure in Christ. With seal, because I have been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise to the day of redemption. Okay. So, do that all again. Holy Spirit becomes the guarantee of our spiritual inheritance. We fully realize when we die. This means once a person has been regenerated, we just talked about that, right? The parting, right? We're given the Holy Spirit, regenerated, indwelt. He comes and lives in us and baptized. Bishop, we, we are part of this body of Christ, into the body of Christ. His or her position is secure, sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise until the day of redemption. So for this, we are going to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. So Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 13, the King James says, In whom ye also trusted that after, oh, I'm sorry, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. But notice that it said after, in whom also after that ye believed. After you believe, you have to first believe, and then receive the Holy Spirit. But if you don't even have faith, you don't even believe in any of this. You have access to nothing. You just, you just a creation. You just walking around out there, wandering. But when we believe and confess, right? We believe in our heart. We confess with our mouth. That's the first step. And then we become sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which in verse 14, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. We, our salvation came at the cost of Jesus' life. He bought our salvation. He bought our freedom. Because the weight of sin, he ransomed his life for us. And I think we talked about that too when we, we did the Ephesians study. He, you, yo, yo, somebody, it was bought with a price that you could not pay. It's expensive. You can pay that. Now, I'm talking about monetary. You, you, it was going to cost us our life. We should not be here. But because he gave his life for ours, we have now been free. He paid the debt. He paid it off. He paid it all. There is no, you know how some people, okay, well, now you paid this fee. Now we need you to pay this for the such and such fee. And then you just keep paying fees and they add an interest. 
and all this stuff, and it seems like you're never going to pay it off. <laughs> you stay in the debt, and it's like, man, why am I even I'm not about to fool these people no more? Or like a, a, what do you call them, the, the shark loans, they stay tacking on interest right when you're about to pay it off, and they tack on some more. It seems like you're never going to get out of debt. That's how sin is. You will never be able to pay that. This is one more thing. Another thing and another thing. But through his blood, we have been set free. So it's like, if you have been set free, he has freed you from all this. Don't go back into bondage. Don't, don't do that. Okay? So, again, 13 to 14. In whom he also trusted that after, I don't know why I keep saying it, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. So first comes hearing. In whom also you trusted after you heard the word of truth. So first they got to hear the word. And they're either going to accept it or reject it. Right? If they accept it, then the gospel of, uh, I'm sorry, the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In whom also after that ye believed. So then they hear it, they believe it. Okay? You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So then I accept Christ into my life, and now I'm sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. 14, which is the earnestness of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. It's about eternal life. Unto the praise of his glory. Not mine. Not past the... Okay. Ooh, you know, I know. No, it was Jesus, baby. I mean, you know, pastor is an instrument. But it's all God to His glory. Okay, so uh, let's see. That and that is it for us. Okay, so let's review one more time. We're gonna go over the, what we just talked about, right? The little acronym cribs. So first one was conviction, revealing the need to change. Scripture was John 16 and 8. In regeneration, imparting a new spirit and eternal life with God. Scripture for that was Titus 3, verse 5. In dwelling, living within a believer. Uh, key verse there, Romans 8 and 9. Baptism. Placing a believer spiritually in the body of Christ. Note that word spiritually. Okay. Be there physically and still not be there. Right? So placing believers spiritually in the body of Christ. Uh, scripture for that was 1 Corinthians 12 and 3. Then finally, sealing Ephesians 1 and 13. And guaranteeing the believer's relationship to God. Holy Spirit is our guarantee. And that is cribs. Now, all together, well, we just talked about the doctrine, right, of the Holy Spirit. Those four main points. The personality. Right? Uh, key 
verse there was Ephesians 4 and 30. Then deity. The verse there was 2 Corinthians 13 and 14. Salvation, that was the one we just looked at, right? The cribs, all those verses. Salvation. And then finally, gifts is 1 Corinthians 12, 4, and 11. Okay. I believe, double check to make sure that is all. Yes. All right. So that is all of our doctrine. And somebody's not going to do so. I guess that means I got to go. So let me pray out. Uh, Lord God, I thank you once again for the day. I thank you for your grace and your mercy. Um, I ask that you just continue to cover us, continue to remind us of our position in you. Um, remind us that you never fail us. Help us to be willing, obedient, submissive servants to your will, God. And remind us that all we have is today. Uh, Lord, we thank you for being the God that you are. We thank you for your sacrifice that allows us to have a relationship with you. We thank you for our position in you, that we are new creations, we are new creatures in you. We are your children, and we have access to everything in you, God. In Jesus' name I pray, thank God, and amen. I'll have a wonderful day, a great weekend, and uh, hopefully come around next week. <laughs> I always want to say see you all next week, but I can't even see you, so... Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.